Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, and you can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up for a free trial. Then you can explore around, check out the content uh, that is valuable for you, and enjoy. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast uh, continues to enjoy inclusion on uh, lists of the best podcasts to listen to. While I'm really happy about that, I am also acutely aware that it's because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no exception. My guest today is Robbie Crabtree. Robbie has worked as an attorney on over 100 high-profile cases, along with teaching persuasive speaking at Southern Methodist University Law School. He also coaches students to compete nationally in speech competitions every semester. He's worked with leaders at Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Reddit to develop their speaking ability. Thanks so much for joining me today, Robbie. Thanks for having me, Diane. I'm super excited about this conversation. Well, I am as well. Um, I think it's been quite a while since I've had anybody on to talk about, uh, you know, captivating an audience and, and, you know, do's and don'ts, what works, what doesn't. And so I actually want to start with um, what actually does work <laughs> to captivate an audience? It's a great question, right? Because if we don't captivate an audience, they're not going to listen to the rest of our message. And we're in this weird kind of time right with zoom calls and even the the rise of clubhouse more recently where we've got to find ways to really captivate the audience and keep them engaged where they want to continue listening because they have so many choices so many distractions and if you can do it well in this era 
when the world opens back up and you're in person and around other other people and delivering this up on a stage or in a, a boardroom or whatever it may be, it's just going to be that much better. So how do you actually captivate that audience? So this is where we go to what I call like your opening hook. You've got to make sure you have just like a really great opening hook. And that's some of these things like putting somebody into a story right away. That can be using things like imagine and making your audience really visualize what's going on or what's going to go on if they continue listening to you. But it's also about delivering using your tone and making sure there's an excitement and there's a warmth and there's a presence that really comes through. Because at the end of the day, what people are looking for is an emotional connection with the speaker, a way to trust them and say, I want to continue going on this journey with them. And so if we have that framework in mind as we step into any situation as a speaker and realize we've got to make sure we deliver, especially in that opening, you know, 15, 30 second bit to make sure our audience feels, hey, I want to continue this conversation with them. That's going to lead to a ton of success. Okay. I, I appreciate that. And I feel like there's been um, th that I've heard two sides of uh, the topic of telling a joke at the very beginning. And, you know, some people say, you, it's a great way to start and other people say no not so much or you have to be really good at the, you know telling jokes or um is that i mean that doesn't feel to me to be the sort of hook that you're talking about no it, it's it's not diane you can certainly tell a joke to, to start if you're a very talented you know person when it comes to delivering humor that certainly can be a way to do it but then also you've got to realize sets the tone for the way that you're going to present the rest of the talk. And so if you're setting it up with a joke, like your audience is kind of in this more lighthearted, jokey manner right out of the gate. Whether or not you want that to be the purpose of your talk, like that, that's a determination you need to make ahead of time. This is where preparation is so key. Because if you want it to be a serious, more informative kind of talk, starting with a joke may, may put your audience in kind of the wrong mindset right away. So what we want to be able to do is, is determine what we want our audience to take out of the talk and then make that opening hook appropriate to put them in the right mindset to get there. Ah, boy, I like that a lot. Okay. So let's talk about salespeople. And um, you say, you know, that they should start with the end in mind when planning how to approach a prospect. Talk some more about that, why that's important, what that looks like. 100%. I think this is one of those things that too many people don't do a good job on. And <clears throat> there's one big reason because salespeople go into a sale focusing on the outcome. The outcome being, I want to make this sale. But we all know that's not always possible because we don't know what's going on with that person and their life on that day or that week. Maybe their partner just got COVID. Maybe there's an issue at home. Their kid threw a, a temper tantrum that morning. So it's just been chaos. And maybe they're in the wrong mindset to actually get to that sale on that day. And what we should actually be focused on is the step prior to the outcome. And what I call that is your goal. And your goal is if we put the person kind of in this right mindset, in this right kind of state, that more likely than not, they're going to get to the outcome. 
And the reason I think that's so important is because we can't reverse engineer from the outcome, but we can reverse engineer from if our goal is we want to leave them feeling intrigued about the possibilities that would happen to their business if they bought this program. We can reverse engineer that and we can say, how do I create that intrigue? Well, now we need to figure out what emotion it is that's going to lead them there, that, that sort of vibe, that mood. And what I like to actually teach people is when we're thinking about that, go to external sources that have had that effect on you so that you're not creating from a blank page, but you're instead creating from a source that you're familiar with. And this is where we can get into feeling more confident as a speaker, because essentially what you're creating in your talk, in that sales pitch, is you're trying to recreate an emotion or a feeling that you yourself have experienced. So you really are an expert in that because you have physically gone through it yourself. And that's kind of how I like to work through it is if we can figure out what our goal is, we can figure out what emotion gets us to that goal. And then we reverse engineer back from that using external sources. And more likely than not, if we achieve our goal, it's going to lead to the outcome we want. But because we can't ever take into account everything that's going on in someone's life, we just can't reverse engineer from the outcome to say we're always going to be able to get that yes. Yeah, boy, that makes a lot of sense to me. Do you think you can give me an example of, you know, pulling from an external source that, that you know, what this would look like? Absolutely, Diane. So let me use uh, a case that I actually tried back in February. And so I was defending somebody who was charged with murder. I believe that it was self-defense and realized I was a longtime prosecutor. So I, I did these on the other side as well. I 100% believe this was a self-defense case. I thought that he should not be going to prison. He shouldn't be found guilty. But obviously that's a very heavy burden to have on your shoulders as the attorney for that individual thinking he really didn't do anything wrong. Maybe he could have taken a better, made a better decision in that moment. But in terms of legality, he did not break the law. And so I'm looking at this as I think he should be going home and instead he's facing the rest of his life in prison. So having that kind of weight on me, I knew what I needed to achieve. So I was trying to find an external source that I could use to really deliver that emotion and get that to that goal for my jury so that they would ultimately come back with the verdict that I wanted, which was not guilty on murder. And so what I actually found was there's a scene in, in the show, The West Wing, and it's in the first season. It's in, I believe, episode seven, Take This Sabbath Day. And they're talking about capital punishment in there. And there's one specific scene where the character Toby Ziegler is actually talking to the rabbi. And what's so interesting in that scene is you can basically look at how they, they speak. It's a very intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's, there's a lot of big pauses. There's music playing. That's this very melancholy type song. Even the lighting is very dark and dim. And just everything about it kind of makes you feel a certain way when you watch it. And when I went to create my closing argument, I said, I want to recreate that feeling for my jury. And I just straight up took it from that scene and said, I need to talk very slowly, be very intimate with my jury. I need to make them really feel this. This isn't something that I need to yell and scream, be over the top. Like this needs to feel like the softest conversation they've ever had. And it needs to make them feel that sense of melancholy, feel that sense of dread, feel kind of like that dark, dark lighting, feel that song being played by the way that I was delivering my words, my performance. And so that's how I drew on that external source to create this closing argument. 
and ultimately led to the jury coming back with a not guilty verdict on that murder charge. Wow. That, thank you so much for that example. That is fascinating. Okay. So, and I like this idea of don't think about the outcome, think about the goal. And it sounds to me, I just want to make sure that I'm hearing this right, that the goal is to create that sort of emotion, that sort of feeling with the prospect where they're intrigued, they want to learn more. Is that right? Am I getting that right? 100% Diane, because I think if we can get them there, this is kind of going back to thinking about it like inception, right? Too often times we tell people what they should be doing. And what we really want to be doing is telling them without telling them. And so by putting them in that state, we're basically giving them one plus one and letting them say it equals two. And that equals two is I'm going to buy this product because I want the the result that, that this person is talking about. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's talk, you know, we're in this weird world. You mentioned COVID a little while ago and a lot of things are, virtual these days. So, and I think that's a challenge for a lot of people to keep an audience engaged with them, you know, doing things virtually. So what suggestions do you have um, for people conducting like sales presentations virtually or webinars to get their participants engaged and, you know, hanging on every word? It is a real challenge these days. And I fully understand that, but I will also say this, it is 100% possible to still do this in this Zoom era. And what I'll say about that is simply a couple things. First, I'm always a big fan of, if you're hosting something like that, ask people to turn on their cameras and, and yeah. do it in a, in a very non-threatening way. It can just be a, hey, like we're already disconnected in this current you know, Zoom era. And with COVID, I would love to just build a little bit of a connection with everybody here. If you don't mind, it'd be great just to see each other's faces as we talk today. Something like that can help people turn on their cameras and be more engaged. So that the speaker then is actually getting eye contact, is able to read facial expressions, some body language, things of that nature, and feel like they're talking to people instead of talking to a blank screen. That in and of itself will help. The second thing I'll say is you actually need to almost go more animated than you would if you were giving it in person. And what I mean by that is you need to be in a place where your camera can basically see more than just your head. We want them to see kind of like from our, you know, torso up so that they can see how we're moving. Is our body language open? Our shoulders back and relaxed? Are we using our hands to create some movement? Are we even moving when we're talking kind of in our seat? in our chair so that we can anchor different points so that people can understand when we're moving from this or that, right? If I do something where I say it's either this way or that way, I can do that both with my hands and actually move left to right. Simple things like that are going to really elevate your presentation. The other thing you've got to realize too is because the screen does basically create this layer of disconnect between us, we need to go over the top when it comes to the excitement in our voice, the warmth in our voice, the presence in our voice. And one of the big things you can do is just really think about smiling through your message. It is one of the craziest things I've ever come across and how effective it is. But if you look at somebody like a Will Smith, Will Smith, every time that man talks is smiling through it and it comes through really warm. 
because that's just what happens when we actually are smiling and presenting in that way. So instead of looking at it as this very cold reality and treating it that way, let's look at it as we can still build a real connection. We just have to do things a little bit more intentionally than we would if we were in, real per in, in person. That is great advice. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions about that. The Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, and I, I am hopeful, I'm pretty confident, but hopeful, uh, that you already know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from. What you might not know is they have a whole lot of other content. They have podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations, and so much more. And the cool thing is, is that you can get all of those things all on one platform. So you don't have to be on one platform to listen to an audio book and then shift over to another one to get a guided meditation. It's all there for you. So we've got a free trial for you, so you can check it out for yourself. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that free trial, and then go exploring. Check out the audio book titles. And also check out the other programs that are there that uh, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised are really enjoyable and valuable. Today we are speaking with Robbie Crabtree about what actually works to persuade your audience. Okay. Robbie, the question I was going to ask you before the break was um, you say that Simply being excited enough, uh, you know, isn't enough to make your audience excited. And before the break, you were explaining that in this virtual world, we have to actually be more animated and more excited and more enthusiastic. Um, so my question is, why isn't that level of excitement enough to make the audience excited? And what else do we need? So just as a speaker, you being excited is not going to get the, the other members of your audience excited. Because at the end of the day, they care about what's in it for them. So if I'm just excited about something and I'm talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, but it has no direct effect on my audience, it doesn't translate to them, it doesn't help them, it doesn't serve them in any way, my excitement doesn't matter. The way we get other people excited is one, we need to be excited as the speaker so that that, that actually comes through, but we need to give our audience something. And this is actually where I'll say the best way to excite your audience is to intrigue them. I think too often times we try to excite our audience instead of intriguing them. Intrigue is much more powerful. I love to, to think of it like this. If you see a, a nice car on the road, you get excited about it, whether it's a BMW, Mercedes, whatever it may be. But then you see the next one and you get excited about that car. And then you move on to the next one. Excitement fades. Intrigue lasts. And the example I love to use for intrigue is people with Tesla. Once Tesla kind of gets into their mind, they just don't let it go. They keep checking the stock price. They keep checking what Elon Musk is doing. They keep checking what the new Tesla looks like. And it's just one of those things that they're intrigued by it because it's different. It's unique, the way they position it, the way they market it. That's what we want to do as a speaker. When we're excited, we want to help intrigue the audience into wanting to know more. And so this is really where it all comes down to understanding the message needs to be for your audience in a way that it can help them so that they actually get get connected with it instead of thinking it's all about me as the speaker. Like as a speaker, Diane, I never am concerned with how I felt I did. 
I am purely concerned with how much value did my audience get and did they feel like it, it actually brought value to them. If they say that was a great speech, then it was a great speech, even if I maybe internally think that was terrible. And if they tell me that was a terrible speech and I think it was a great speech, it was a terrible speech because I didn't deliver the result to the audience. And at the end of the day, as a speaker, your goal is always to move your audience in some way. Okay, that's really great. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about, I want to go back to sales for a minute, because um, there seems to be a belief that by some people that sales are made based on facts, that people look at the facts and, and that's how they make you know, they make logical decisions, uh, but not necessarily true. So um, talk to me about why just facts doesn't work and, um, you know, what salespeople really need to infuse into their uh, presentations or, you know, pitches. Sales are rationalized by facts. They're not made by facts. And, and that is a distinction that salespeople need to understand. That the facts have to be there. We can't present something and sell it without having facts and reason and logic and all of those things that matter in the content. But at the end of the day, what actually sells is emotion. That is just it is in human psychology. Emotion is what makes us make decisions. So we need to be playing to that emotion and then giving the facts and that content to allow the person to rationalize that emotional decision that they're making. And so this is really where that combination comes in. And this really goes back again to what we talked about earlier in that framework that we're thinking of, what's my goal? What's the emotion or mood that I want to create to get there? Because if we do that, that's kind of blending those two together. That goal is going to make sure that there's content and facts and logic there. And that emotion is what drives them to that goal. And that emotion is what we need to make sure we're really hitting on as a speaker. And that requires a level of preparation and understanding of what you're selling and of who you're selling to. What's going to move them, right? For instance, if I'm trying to, to sell my mom to make me pumpkin pie when I go home to visit her, I know there are different ways to present that to create a sort of emotion in my mom and get her to make that pumpkin pie. I've got to be able to read that situation and design it in such a way. And I get that that's a very silly and, and lighthearted example. But the truth is sales is everywhere in life. We're always selling ourselves. We're always selling ideas. We're always selling something. And so the sooner that we can realize it's about creating that emotion and then giving some sort of logic and facts and stats and all of those things that go along with it to back up that emotion, that's what ultimately drives somebody to say, I'm emotionally moved and I have the things I need to rationalize that decision. So when somebody asks why I made this decision, I can point to all these facts and evidence and logic, like you said, so that they feel good about the decision, even though they know deep down it was, they were excited, they were intrigued. They felt like they had to do this because of the opportunity at hand. Okay, thanks for that. That's great. That, that is great. And it's funny because as you were talking about that, I was thinking about uh, a recent situation I had where um, I had the facts. 
and they really did back up my like my gut sense that I needed to purchase this thing. You know, that that was what I would go back to to say, okay, these are my reasons, kind of thing. So that's interesting. Yeah, Um, Diane, quickly, let me just give a quick example of of when I learned this the hard way. Great. I was trying a case. It was my eighth eighth jury trial, and it was it was a very low level case. It was just a, a driving while intoxicated. It wasn't anything super serious. And I was a prosecutor, and I had all the evidence, and I had all the numbers and I had the, the law on my side and there was no doubt that this person was guilty of the crime. It should have been a no-brainer, easy, slam dunk, walk away. The state wins. He's found guilty of DWI. He gets probation. We move on. And so when the jury went, I basically made that argument. Like, here are the facts. Here's the evidence. Here's the law. When you add all that up, he's guilty. And basically, you know, very black and white, that's all it should take. And so then the jury went back and they deliberated for a little while and they came back out and the, the defendant stood up and the jury, the four person stood up and said, we, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. And I turned to my co-counsel and I said, hold on, did they just say not guilty? <laughs> and, and my co-counsel goes, yeah, they did. And I was just like, I just, I, I was just seated there and really was in shock because I was like, there's, there's no way that that just happened. And so an interesting thing happened at that point though. When the defendant was leaving, he was out in the hallway and the jury walked out at the same time and they saw him. And I wanted to see what they had to say to him. And they all kind of surrounded him and they said, look, we know that you know you made a mistake. We know that you, you feel bad about making the decision that you did. But we want to cut you this break because we like you and we don't think you're going to do it again. So just make sure you're never here again. And so what I quickly realized was he had connected more emotionally with them than I had because he had testified at the trial. His defense attorney had made an emotional argument, whereas I had just made this very logical and, and very rational argument that here's the evidence, here's the law, this is what it means. And that was that moment that I realized just having facts, just having evidence, even when you've actually convinced somebody you're right, you can still lose if you don't appeal to their emotions. And that was that moment that really flipped the script on everything for me when I really dove in to figure out what actually achieves results, achieves sales, and really moves people to go the way that I want them to as, as a speaker. Wow, that is a great example. Wow, thanks for that. That's crazy. It really was. Oh my gosh. So, so okay, so what is the perform- performative speaking framework? Yeah, so performative speaking is really thinking about how we can create emotion in our audience and use external sources, especially other art forms, to actually create that emotion. And so when we're really talking about frameworks, there's really a main framework for any sort of talk that I like to think through. And granted, for different things, there are some some tweaks and, and different frameworks that are involved. But the main one is basically this. And we talked about two of them so far, Diane, two of the five parts. These two parts are, first, we've got to figure out what is our goal. That's kind of step one. Step two is, what is the emotion we want to create? So those are kind of what I call more of these strategy pieces. Then there's the next three are all tactical pieces. And these tactical pieces are, first, what is my hook? Second, what is my theme? Third, what is my dismount? And when you add up those five elements, you have your framework to create any sort of powerful talk, 
presentation, pitch, speech, sale, anything that you may have. If you think through that process, it will work. And when we talk about hook, theme, and dismount, hook like we talked about is that opening minute because as a speaker and in human psychology, two of the, the primary drivers for the way that we remember things are primacy and recency. Primacy being the first thing we hear, recency being the last thing we hear. So when we're talking about a hook, that's actually both the most, that's the first thing people hear and also the most recent in that moment. And that's why we're really able to actually hook them in if we do it right. Where we make them say, I wanna hear more, I wanna continue listening. The recency part is obviously that dismount, that last part. We wanna make sure that we end really strongly. This is one of those things that I find way too many speakers end up doing where they're talking, 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 and they end with something like this. And so, and that's their, fin that's their final statement is, and so. I mean, I, I can't think of a weaker ending than that. And if we think about it like a gymnast, when a gymnast goes on the vault or on the beams, the high bar, whatever it is, they can have a great routine. It can be flawless the entire time, but if they don't stick the landing, they get judged off and they're not gonna win. The same is true for speaking. If you don't stick that landing, stick that dismount, you're going to get points taken off and you're going to end up being unsuccessful. So we always want to make sure that first and that last part are super strong. And the best part is we can prepare those ahead of time. We can make sure those are rock solid every time we walk into any sort of speech. And this is why I focus on them in that framework, because if we do that, we basically have our bookends. Now we move to this theme. And the theme is what I call your North Star. It's what everything in that actual talk should be pointing back towards. It's that Martin Luther King, I have a dream. That would be the theme that really drove the entire speech. So when I'm looking at it, that's the framework I give anybody, anybody I work with, any clients, any person who runs in my course, we talk about this framework very, very early on and say, this is how you approach every situation and start thinking through it. And the, the great thing about it is it's not a formula, it's a framework because a formula creates robots. It creates a one size fits all. And I believe every person should be their authentic self, speak with their authentic voice and be different. The world already has a Robbie Crabtree. It doesn't need another one. It needs everyone else's authentic voice to speak out. And so by giving a framework instead of a formula, it allows them to embrace their own style, their own characteristics, the things that work for them and really develop this great speaking style that is able to captivate people to capture their audience and really make sales and deliver every single time. Boy, I love that. Thank you. I, I learned so much from that and, and I speak all the time. So I really appreciate that. And it just goes to show you can always learn something even when you think you've been doing something well. Um, okay. So, you talked about, you know, taking this previous experience before from um, this movie and then, you know, getting that sensation, that feeling and trying to use it to get your audience to, to that place when you were um, trying that case. If I'm listening and I'm curious about that, um, I guess my question is, how does someone go about doing that? Like, it feels like they have to be really aware of the emotions that they experience when they're, you know, watching movies or TV shows or reading books or whatever. Um, 
you know, sort of thinking ahead. You've talked about planning, and I totally agree. I think planning is, is hugely important. Is there like a strategy for doing this, or is it just something that, you know, if they think about what their favorites are, then it'll get them there? It's a great question, Diane. And this is one of the first exercises I have anybody do that I work with is I have them create two different lists or, you know, banks. So one is a story bank and one is an inspiration bank. And that's essentially opening up Rome, Notion, Evernote, whatever note tech taking app you do. If it's on your phone, like just like your Apple notes, whatever, it doesn't matter. But create a source and write them down. Favorite movies, favorite books, favorite travel experiences, favorite meals, favorite art pieces, like anything that has moved you in some way. Maybe it was like a favorite coach in the way that they spoke to you and start creating that both for your stories and for your inspiration list. And what you'll find is as you go through that process, you start pulling out all these ideas. And too oftentimes we just forget some of the things that are inside of our heads. We forget some of the experiences that we've lived. And when we actually sit down and create that, it gives us a source that we can then go to anytime we've got a big talk coming up or have a pitch coming up or a presentation or whatever it may be. We can just open that document up and look through it and say, oh, this, I think this one would probably make sense to me. Like I could maybe use something from that. And you don't even need to know exactly what it was in that moment that you were watching it, listening to it, viewing it, whatever it may be that led you to feel a certain way, but you know that it had some impact on you which means it's a pretty simple thing to go back and do a little bit of homework again, right? You can pull up that music piece. Let's say you love you know, a Taylor Swift song and it moved you in some way, I don't know. And you go listen to it and you say, ah, I remember that now, that transported me back. Or maybe it was an Avicii song that you listened to when you were in college, like myself during law school. And like, anytime I hear it, it transports me back to a way that it made me feel. Like I can use that source then when I'm delivering a talk. And so really creating this list basically taking it out of our head. Like think about it a little bit like Dumbledore in the movie, Harry Potter, where he's taking his memories out and putting them into the pensieve. He doesn't remember them at the moment, but he can go back and review them and pull them out and look at them again. That's what I have anybody do that I work with because there's just too much information in our heads that we sometimes forget or in that moment, like we're, we're just thrown, right? Because somebody asks a question and we can't think of that next thing to say. But if we come in prepared because we know, hey, I've got these three stories that would all make sense here and you've thought about them ahead of time, now when you're presented that opportunity, you're able to just rattle them off, boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's so great. Wow, that, that is great. Thank you for, for answering that. That is, that is terrific. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I have so loved this conversation. Um, it, it's helped me tremendously, which means that I'm sure it has helped uh, the listeners so speaking of the listeners, will you tell them, you know, how they can find you, whatever you've got going on? Absolutely. And Diane, I love this because it's, it's one of the things speaking is not one of those things that people are just born being great at. It's something you learn. It's something that develops over time. Like I continue to talk with other leaders in this space who continue to push me to be better. And I continue to learn things as well. So like, that's the beautiful thing as a speaker is you're always learning and you're always taking in new ideas and embracing them and testing them and seeing how they play out. So I'm really glad to hear that it has been valuable to you and hopefully to the viewers and listeners as well. If they're interested in finding out more about me, there's a couple of places they can do it. One, I have my personal website where I write quite often. I actually just finished writing 30 days in a row during the month of January, and that is RobbieCrabtree.com. Additionally, they can also find me on 
my course page, which is beyonddeck.com, and they can go to what's called performative speaking in one of those courses, which I run, which is a live cohort-based course. If they're looking for me on social media, they can find me on Twitter, which is Robbie Crab. I'm also on Clubhouse and Do Rooms under Robbie Crab, and on Instagram, it is the Robbie Crab. If they want to follow me there, where I also provide videos and tips and things of that nature to continue to help people just become a better speaker, because it really is something that just makes life so much better. Oh, that is so great. Thank you. I I appreciate that. And listeners, I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. I'd also like to thank our sponsor. Uh, To get a free trial of audible.com and explore all of the audiobooks and programs that are available to you, just go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.